there is a power obviously for witnessing that comes, but there's this openness to the gifts and openness to God and understanding that God is your Father and the illumination of Scripture that you have because of the Holy Spirit that helps you, that helps you. Hey there, I'm so excited to come to you today with the first episode, Season 1, Episode 1 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for your life and mission. I am Aaron Sandemeyer, and I will be your host. Each episode, I will be having transparent conversations with people who care about you and desire for you to be healthy, resilient, and confident in your life and as you pursue your mission. I know that one of the biggest roadblocks to health, resilience, and confidence is lack of clarity. I believe the transparent conversations that we will be having and the life stories that we will be hearing will be invaluable for both you and I. This podcast is about providing clarity and insight, and so we'll go through some different growth areas, and some of the growth areas that we'll focus on during different podcasts will be one, would be family health, two, personal health, three, people care, caring for others, how do we care for others in different contexts, building teams, what it means to be on a team, what it means to lead a team, to be involved in a team. Five, missiological maturity. Six, self-leadership. What does it mean to lead ourselves well? We'll be going to deep dives with some conversations on that. Leadership skills will be seven, and the eighth will be leadership intelligence. And so I'm so excited for this podcast. I think it's going to be valuable. I'm excited just to learn, and I'm excited also for you as we walk this journey together for growth and also to provide some clarity and insight into our life and into our mission. The first episode, we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Greg Mundus. Many of you know that Greg Mundus is the executive director of Assemblies of God World Missions, and he's someone phenomenal to sit down with and talk and learn and grow from. Our interview today or a conversation, unscripted conversation, will focus on family health, the lessons he's learned of balancing those family dynamics and ministry dynamics as he has served many, many years in missions and also as a pastor. And so he'll provide some valuable insight for us. I'm looking forward to the conversation. I'm sure you're going to value it and you might want to take some notes. It's just it's a sit-down conversation with Greg Mundus and looking forward to it. So there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Well, greetings and welcome to the Clarity Podcast. It's my pleasure to have Greg Mundus here with us today. This is episode number one, and we're encouraged to have him here today to learn and grow deeper in family health and provide clarity in a situation that often provides ambiguity and creates ambiguity in our lives and our mission. And this podcast is all about creating clarity in life and mission. So Greg, thanks for being with us today. And uh, could you just share a little bit about yourself for our audience? Sure. I'm a native of Youngstown, Ohio. Grew up there and began my university studies at Youngstown State University and got a call into ministry, went to Central Bible College that used to be Bible College in the Assemblies of God. And then I went into ministry in Lima, Ohio for a year, came back to Springfield, Missouri at Central Assembly. I was youth pastor there for four years. And from there, we got our call into missions. My call, I should say, my wife had a call when she was 11 years old. My background is I come out of a non-believing family that became believers when I started growing up. And so, yeah, we went into missions, served in Austria, well, served in missions from 1978, well, landed in Austria in 1980 and stayed there until 1998, and then came to the United States as a regional director for Europe. I was the first regional director for Europe because Europe and Eurasia were a combination. And when John Bueno, our former executive director, came into office, he bifurcated Europe out of Eurasia, and so I was the first. And then in 2011, elected to this position. Have two children, 
One wife. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good, good for the family yeah. show. That's good. That's good to know for the family health segment. Yeah. Sandy and I have been married. We'll be 49 years in June. Congratulations. Thank you. And we have two children, a son and a daughter. Our daughter, the older, lives in the Middle East as a missionary and has four children. Okay. And my son and his wife live in uh, Mission Field in California. <laughs> Good deal. Good deal. Has four children, and he is a spine surgeon. That is phenomenal. We're excited to have you today. I know there's a lot we're going to learn from you, and um, through these transparent, um, unscripted conversations, and I'm looking forward to it. For me personally, I know a lot of times I can learn from people's successes, but normally this is a transparent podcast. We normally begin off with one of the first questions is a lesson learned or experience you learned from. Normally that happens to a mistake. And then we end with a win. And so is there any way you have a story that you can say in the concept of family health and modeling family health? What have you learned in life? A mistake you made as you tried to balance family health and occupation and ministry and trying to, you said you had two children. Is there a story? or a lesson that you've learned. He said, this is when I thought I was doing it okay, but now I look back and I should have maybe done it a little bit different. We got married, let me see, 1971. So our first child was born in 1974. So I got married at 20 years old and my wife was almost 20. I think when I look back, the biggest mistake is I didn't realize that I had to learn. I just thought you got married and things happened. <laughs> you figured it out. Huh? Yeah. You just, life would come together. Yeah. My wife was a little bit of a reader. And okay. so she read some different stuff, particularly about like getting pregnant, having babies and starting that. But then I don't know if it was just you're swept along in life. Yeah. And you have your ministry, you have your wife, and then you start having kids and you just do it. Yeah. And what I appreciate so much about, you know, there are so many good things about the internet, so many bad things, but both and. But so many good things is that nowadays people are much more aware of family health, of doing marriage right, of trying to raise your children with the right attitudes and putting priorities in order. We just kind of just got swept in the river of life and just went, you know, just started paddling and keeping our head above water. <laughs> in ministry, did you ever feel like that the expectations of your family were unrealistic at any times when you were trying to, you had a family, you were in ministry, you said you are pastoring, and when you were in Austria, did you ever feel like that the ideas of those around you, that they're, for your family, was unrealistic or impossible to meet their expectations? You know, as honest as I can be, no. I just felt like, you know, we were all in this river and it was flowing. <laughs> and my wife is amazing. She's an amazing wife, an amazing mother, yeah. and an amazing grandma too. But there were hardly ever articulated, verbally articulated demands. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't like, I'm sure there were expectations and there were hurts, you yeah. know, that's just normal in life. Right. But there was never, hey, how come you're not home more? It was... We were both called and it's okay, this is what we do. Yeah. And like I said, we just, I don't even know if we really took time to analyze it. I think, you know, I keep using that illustration, but we were just living and trying to do our best and trying to do our best with God and with each other and with the kids. And all of a sudden, here I am, 49 years married. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of happened real quick. Good deal. Well, if it worked for you, that's it's encouraging, guys. So, as we look at that, um, what is there certain things or, or concepts that you said you were in this river? Well, yeah. Are there certain lessons that you've learned in that river that have helped brought clarity to you as you try to model a healthy family when you were a pastor and a missionary? Right. There are certain concepts that you said, these are things that we're in the river, we're flowing down the river. 
Are there little things that you saw that you've picked up and said, this helped me find clarity as a pastor, as an executive leading a large organization with tons of responsibility? Are there things that help you provide clarity as far as for your family and prioritizing family in ministry? It's a good question. I wish I had like formula answers, you know, like I did this, this, and that, and equals that. I don't have that. No, that's fine. What I have is that I loved my wife passionately and deeply and that I wanted to serve her. And so I always found myself trying to help around the house. So I love that. Yeah. I think it's a part of a love language. You know, I learned later about love language. (laughs) I'm sure there are many other languages she speaks, but that one I knew. That if I could help around the house a little bit and help with the kids, it was a joy for me. Yeah. It was a joy to come home and be with the kids. It was a joy to take the kids with me. I think the family for me was a respite, a place of safety, a place where I was accepted. I didn't have to perform. Yeah. And sometimes I think we can get into a trap that we have to perform in family life. And family life is much more intimate than performing. For sure. I don't think I had unrealistic expectations either of my wife or my children. I just wanted them to love Jesus and be the best they could be. I often quoted, I think if you'd ask my kids, they'd say this, you know, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. So it was really high on our list to keep God really first in our marriage and in our family. Yeah. It was really high. With that learning your wife's love language, you said later learning, helping around the house, that helped provide clarity in the family and so that you can move together down that river on the same boat, not on different boats, right. not on separate things. But you know what? I have to, you know, the title is Clarity. I mean, the, there was some love language that I didn't understand. Okay. Okay? Just the worldview that man, woman, and she grew up in an Italian family. I grew up in a basically dysfunctional home. Okay. So she had a much greater sense of family, particularly Italian, way of looking at life than I would. Okay. okay. And for me, life... At home when I was growing up was like, there was a lot of tension between mom and dad. They'd both been married and divorced three times apiece. Okay. Okay. So I didn't have really good models. She had a great model Mm -hmm. in mom and dad. Okay. So I have to give it her really like 90% of the credit that she brought a certain atmosphere and stability to the home that if I would have married someone else, maybe in my background, it could have not been so good. Okay. But... You know, her parents took a chance on letting her marry me, really, because I was like from the other side of the tracks. Okay. She had such a clear call of God and a clear understanding of family and life that she brought real stability to home. And I didn't get all of the love languages she was talking. I got that one, (laughs) but she was awesome. And so that what you just shared, that she came from a family that was a positive model. And what I hear you say is your family was not necessarily... It was a negative model. It was a different model. So if somebody that's listening, they come from a very similar situation where their family, I think you used the word dysfunctional, come from a dysfunctional family and so on. Did you maybe follow more her lead and follow her lead in those areas? Yeah, I think the stability she brought. I mean, let's put it this way. I realize biblically I'm the leader of the family. Okay, that's what the Bible says. But I, I knew also that, you know, husband, love your wife, you know. And it's so important for the wife to respect her husband. Mm-hmm. So from the almost the very first moment I saw her, I loved her. And I think as she grew in respect, and I think we grew together. I mean, part of our lives are so much is about integrity and honesty, right, mm-hmm. of character. You can come from a dysfunctional home. doesn't mean you have to be dysfunctional. Okay. It just means you have to work or understand 
that that's not the normal. Mm-hmm. I think we have a much, in the name of your show again, Clarity, I think we have much more clarity about that nowadays than we did back when I was growing up in the 50s and 60s. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was, you know, leave it to be. <laughs> and if your family wasn't leave yeah, it to be, you were out of luck. Huh? Yeah, you were out of luck, man. That's too bad. <laughs> Oh, well, it is true, though. There's a lot. And I think for my generation and maybe generation younger, the other side of that is there's so much information out there. What I heard you said is I didn't have to perform at home. I could be who I wanted to be at home. But I think sometimes with my generation and younger generation, there's so much expectation with what's on the Internet and so much pressure that you have to be the perfect dad. You have to be the perfect mom. And many of the people that are listening, they live and work in different places around the continent of Africa. And that idealism that we see on the internet sometimes creates unrealistic expectations that we, that we, that we just can't realize. And so trying to find a balance in that, it sometimes can be frustrating because we see our friends with Facebook pictures and Instagram and they got what seems like the perfect family. And then we're living in on the island of Madagascar. And they can't be what the ideal American family is, and that's not what we're striving to be. But I think there's some pressure from the outside, or maybe it's self-imposed pressure, to be a family that we can. And so I think that sometimes creates ambiguity as overseas workers, because we are living overseas, but then we see those and trying to join those two worlds, and can it even be possible? It creates a lot of gray area in the process. No, absolutely. I agree with that. And I think with the proliferation of divorce and the society that we live in now, world society I'm talking about, where even your gender is called into question at times, can cause a lot of confusion, right? And or the background, you know, my background isn't like a, not speaking personally, but just somebody saying my background isn't the best background. I think about Jesus, read Matthew chapter one. Who were his ancestors? Well, you talked about Facebook and I heard a sermon by Robert Madu and he talked about Matthew one at Christmas time. And he says, just go through there. First of all, That was the Facebook of their day, their heritage, you know, their lineage, their genealogy. Well, in that, who do you have? You have Tamar. (laughs) And I'm assuming people know who these people are. Then you would have Ruth. You had Rahab. You had Bathsheba. And the author writes those names down in honesty. That was Jesus' heritage. You know, prostitutes, people from another tribe that weren't even God believers, incest, so on and so forth. Right. But Jesus came out all right. <laughs> it gives us hope. That, much that, hope. That, much hope in the process. You know, I always look at my family. My family, basically two brothers came from Germany. They were horse thieves and down through the generations. But I think what you said, you've had the opportunity. You came from a dysfunctional family. You didn't have to claim that and say this, mine came from a dysfunctional family, that's the way I'm going to be because right. that's where I came from. You've had the opportunity to change. And I look back in my generation, it was my great, great aunt who made the decision in our family to say, I don't want to follow this dysfunction. And it's a long story, but she gave heart to Jesus. And those decisions that she made helped put things in place for a generation to begin to share a new model that people could actually follow. You know, in Christ, you're a new creation. Yeah, And I'll tell you the thing that really helped me the most. I don't know if people can understand this or not. It was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay. It was absolutely life-changing for me. Can you go a little bit deeper on that? It was life-changing. Right. What gave, gave you power to realize, to see the difference? Did it give you... I think what it did is I understood. I mean, take that in quotations. I understood God more. Okay. I mean, I didn't have a strong father image. Okay. Okay. So I think it's still a part of things that are 
not complete in my life. Okay. Okay. So I didn't have somebody that modeled what a strong father was. I didn't have a dad that would, you know, take me out or play or he was a good provider. Yeah. Right. And so I'm not trying to speak despairingly of him right. at all, but he didn't have a good model. So, right. you know, it just goes on and on. But when you receive the Holy Spirit, there's this enlightenment. There is a power, obviously, for witnessing that comes, but there's this openness to the gifts and openness to God and understanding that God isn't necessarily the man or the father or the father who should have been the good father in your life, that God is your father and the illumination of scripture that you have because of the Holy Spirit that helps you, that helps you. Not saying that you don't need additional help. I wish I would have. I wish I would have even known I could have gone and talked to somebody. It just wasn't in my day that much. When I got older, when I found out that the father that raised me wasn't my birth father, then that's when I said, because 48 years had gone by, 50 years had gone by, that's when I said, oh, I can go seek help. My generation, a little bit earlier, they said, oh, he's going to a shrink. You know, there's something wrong. <laughs> but now, I mean, it's, hey, I'm on the river and I'm in the boat, but the motor's not working well, right? Get it fixed. <laughs> yeah. Get it fixed. Yeah. And you had the freedom to do that. I did. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. And I still do. If I thought I would need help or we would need help, I would seek help. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. I think that's encouraging to hear from the executive director that you're that open and you're that willing. Because I think sometimes as overseas workers, sometimes we feel that we have to be perfect and to ask for help is a sign of weakness. But what I hear you saying, asking for help in those type took great courage. And it was a great act of courage so that the motor could run right again. Yeah, absolutely. And to me, there's no shame in that. I mean, there's no shame. If you ask for prayer, you're seeking help. Excellent point. (laughs) Excellent point. Excellent point. And so are there certain things that when you look at your family and it's often, I think it's hard, you know, I can, you can take a test and you can get a score or you can certain things, but it's hard to measure whether your family is growing and you're succeeding in being the father or being the mother in a situation where there, is there certain things that you say, Hey, I know that I've done my best Were there certain things that you could say that really helped me know that we were moving in the right direction. Or you were on the right river. To go back to your analogy, we're, yeah. we were, or at least on the right river, going down the right river, yeah. and we've not. At least taken we're not off. swimming upstream or That's something. That's right. Know. Yes. Um, there certain things that made you that you look back now, or you would think. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're married for the length of time that we're married, you know, when we meet some people and they find out we're married 48 years, going on 49, they're going, "How does that happen?" <laughs> <laughs> And my best advice is two words. Yes, dear. (laughs) But seriously, that's a good question, Aaron. I think we have, I don't know if we verbalize, but I think sometimes in our head, these expectations come up. How do I want my marriage to be? How do I want my kids to grow up? In different stages of life, you can measure for instance, your marriage, are you still so passionately in love? Mm-hmm. Are you caring? Yeah. I mean, you can be in love and not care so much, right? Great point. Yeah. Great point. But are you still caring? Are you buying your spouse flowers? Are you making a favorite meal? Or are you doing these kinds of things? Are your children reflecting at least a partial image? Because they're going to be their own people. But a partial image of who you are yeah. and who you are as a married couple. You can see that at different stages. And I think that... We didn't consciously like measure that, but I think now that when you ask the question, you reflect back, it was like, okay, are kids doing well in school? Are they following Jesus? We said, hey, you don't have to follow Jesus, but if you're going to be in our home, you're going to go to church and you're going to hear the gospel and we're going to pray and we're going to do those things. 
It's your choice ultimately in life, but this is our wish. This is our desire. This is what we believe God has for you. And especially when you get into those middle teenage years, when there's a whole lot of questions coming and then, you know, getting into the university level. And I mean, I went through it myself because I got into a philosophy class and starting messing with my head. And is there a God that really loves me? And that's where your concrete experiences with Christ and for your children as well. It can't be just mom and dad having down altar time, right? It's got to be everybody in yeah. the family, the kids. Yeah. I'm hearing you say is, is that you had to realize you were responsible to love your kids, care for your kids, give them a good model, but you couldn't be responsible for the decisions they make. Is there any advice? You talked about kids, parents, that their kids have went off to college and your kids have went off. Obviously, your sons went to a lot of university. <laughs> a lot of, yeah. <laughs> a lot of university. Is there any advice that you would have for people that are in that season where their kids have went back to the U.S. or they're in the U.S. and their kids are in school and they're struggling with that being they want to be responsible for their decisions? And those, yeah, they struggle. Yeah. Is there any lessons or anything yeah. that you'd like I'll to share? I'll tell you what. I don't know, and maybe you do, and maybe our listeners do, but I don't know a whole lot of material out there on transitioning a child to a university or life work and the rite of passage and the pain that is mm-hmm. and seeing your child as an adult. Yeah. That's, I don't know if you just have to go through it, you know, like a, when the baby's born, you can learn lessons. The woman particularly I'm talking about. That's that, very true. Yeah. You learn lessons how to work your muscles and breathe and all of that. But when that child leaves your house, I mean, I think we were talking, I don't know if you were at the table, we were talking today about that. And we dropped my daughter off at uh, Evangel and my son and I went back to Austria and my wife stayed to help her. And honestly, I think we cried all the way home. And she had a very difficult time getting involved in America, getting involved in university life in America and watching American kids because they came from an environment where they were in church and they were singing in a nationwide youth group and, and ministry was so important. And they get back there and a lot, forgive me, for a lot of hypocrites, yeah. a lot of kind of lukewarm type people yeah. and all these people trying to drag them down. And it was a battle for them. Yeah. It was a battle for them. Yeah. Much more for my daughter than my son. My son, you know, different personalities. But wow, yeah. And so the parents, as the parents too, all of a sudden there's nobody home. Yeah. And you're learning to be like you were those first three or four years before the kids came along. And all those things come back and it's awesome. I wish I had like three or four points to leave with somebody. Well, no, I don't think there is. But I think the value of what you're sharing is for us is being transparent and honest and yeah. saying, there's not a whole lot of answers. You have to no, go through it. You have to go through it. And once again, it, I think it's it's valuable for us just to hear that it, it's a common experience because yeah. I think sometimes the enemy will think it's only your family, no. only your family. And I think that's what he does to isolate us by making you think that it's just us. But to hear that it, it is a common experience and that going through it and then there is hope on the other there side. There is hope there, on there, the other there, side. There hope on the other side. And I'll God. tell you what, you know, one of our heart's passions in the executive committee is for MKs. We pray pray just about every week for MKs because yeah. we hear stories and the whole family getting involved in ministry outside the United States. It's huge. It's a huge sacrifice. Yeah. It's a huge challenge. And God is faithful. And you just hang on to the Word of God and you keep praying, you keep believing, and you keep loving. You got to keep loving, yeah. you know, and love them, love them, love them. That's so important. We appreciate that is one thing about our organization is the love for the MKs yeah. is palpable, it's yeah. evident, and it's obvious. And so we thank you no. as the leader of the organization for that's, continuing. That's the whole committee, man. Uh, we yeah. we love them. We love our whole family. We no, really and do. And we appreciate your willingness for that to continue. 
We started with this interview with a question of a challenge you've learned. Is right. there one thing that you can say now? You've talked about your son and your daughter and your wife. In this season of your life, there's a win that you can say this. Is, sure. Is it being with your grandkids or whatever? Now, we talked about the college years. Now we're on the other side. Your right. kids are grown adults. Is there something you can say this has been a great season of life? Okay. It is a great season of life. We have eight grandchildren. Okay. They're the joy of our lives, really. We just love both families have their own style. Very interesting. It wasn't our style. Right. <laughs> and sometimes we say, why don't they imitate us? <laughs> Apparently they didn't like it. <laughs> well, they just adapted. They, they just, adapted. They took some, some of the different options. I was thinking back to that I see being modeled in that when I would always work my schedule so that if my children were in a play or in sports, I'd be there for that event. First thing in the school year, I'd say, what's going on? And I know some people homeschool and there's all kinds of different things like that and not everything's possible. What I'm trying to say is that I made sure that there was priority. I made sure that in my circumstance, what I could do, I did and just didn't slough it off. So that was for me. And I think it can be for every parent, whether it's say the child is at boarding school. Right. Man, birthdays, Different sundry occasions, uh, a note, an email, uh, send in $20, go get ice cream, right. something. Yeah. You know, just say, you're still so important to me. And if they're in the home and they're in school, that you're a part of their school. I served on the school board. I made room on that so that the kids saw me uh, in that environment as well, because schools can be so secular yeah. and anti-God and everything else. And they unfortunately didn't have a lot of witness kids that were believers that would witness with them. So they were sure. basically alone. Yeah. And so uh, I think it was good for Sandy. My wife served as uh, like the PTA president yeah. and did different stuff at school. So that we were tried to be involved in every aspect, not just in the home, but in every aspect of their life. Modeling it in their, their community and, yes, and their and environment. And so their environment. So and their friends were our friends then. Yeah. Yeah, it was, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. Well, we uh, appreciate you and uh, we appreciate you giving your insight and sharing your experience with us today. I do think it is, it's so valuable to have you as uh, the, our leader and our, our pastor to be able to give us insight on things that you did and things that we can learn from going forward. And this is the first episode of the podcast, but each episode we are going to end with prayer. And I would just ask if you would pray for our audience that sure. God would help our families, help parents, help husbands and wives, that um, we will model it for our children, but also the passion and love that we have for husbands and wives. If it's not there, it will reignite and that um, our marriages will grow stronger, not just so we have strong marriages, but so that we can do what God has called us to do and uh, to plant the church and to be missional leaders and uh, not allow the ambiguity and stress of a family to break us apart because the enemy will attack our family. Absolutely. And uh, pray that God will protect and we would, we would appreciate that. Okay. Lord, what a privilege to sit here and to speak and to share from our personal experience. I thank you, Father, for those that are listening to this. Uh, I thank you that just like these waves, these whether they're radio waves or whatever they are, can go across miles and borders and all of these things, Lord, that your spirit can do the same thing. And I recognize, Father, that in our lives as a family, that your grace was absolutely overwhelming. And I just pray that as we seek you and seek first the kingdom of God, 
that all these things will be added. Marriage relationships, children's relationships, uh, ministry relationships, and on and on it goes, Lord. So I pray for each one out there, Lord. I pray for those that are struggling a little bit now, maybe in a newly uh, consummated marriage, Lord, and, and just trying to figure that out, or bringing children, and or maybe losing a child, or those that are in the midst of raising uh, children to be adults, Lord, in different stages, whether it be the pre-teens or teens or the post-teens, Lord. Just pray, Father, that the grace that has been demonstrated to us personally would be uh, demonstrated through us to our family as well, to our spouses, to our children. I ask that for uh, our listening audience, and thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Craig, thank you so much, and looking forward to the next time. Well, I knew that you would not be disappointed with that conversation with Greg Mundus. Phenomenal gentleman, phenomenal to sit down and talk with and ask questions and learn from him. And great insight he provided. I thought some of the valuable insights about prioritizing his children, prioritizing his marriage, the ministry, and the dynamics that can sometimes, these impossible expectations that are sometimes put on people and how he balanced that and he worked within that. And to see the development, it's amazing to sit down with Greg and just listen to him talk about his wife, Sandy, and talk about his children and the love that he has for his children and the respect he has for his wife and his children. So that spoke more to me than anything. I also had the opportunity to travel with Greg to Reunion Island just following this podcast and learn about being adaptive. He talked a lot about being an adaptive as he's changed roles in life and in mission, how he's adapted and God has allowed him to grow and develop in different ways. And so Greg, we appreciate you. We thank you for investing in us. Thank you for taking your time to share with us and sit down and just have a trans transparent, open, unscripted conversation so that we can have a model and have an insight as we try to learn what it means to have a healthy family and different dynamics and balancing work, whether it's work dynamics and ministry dynamics with family and how that all works out and how we prioritize it. And so we're thankful for Greg. We're looking forward to the next podcast. The next podcast, have the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation with Sam Farina. If you might know Sam Farina, he is very insightful. He's full of belief. He's full of energy, full of joy, and he's going to help us learn and grow in the area of emotional intelligence and valuable conversation. Once again, you're going to want to take notes on that one. So we're looking forward to that. So thanks once again for joining us. Looking forward to next time providing clarity in life and in mission. Clarity Podcast. Thanks again.